Unfailingly, I am impressed when people come to our Unitarian Universalist congregations later in life. Some of them arrive after decades of not having a spiritual home, while others come here after decades of having served other faiths, either in their capacity as lay leaders or religious professionals. Some raised their children in other traditions, and only when their education was complete did they start seeking for something that might feed their own souls. Some intermarried, maybe at a ceremony officiated by a UU minister. If you are a member of UU Wellesley Hills, you probably know people like these. If you are a member here, you may be one of those people yourself. I can never lose sight of what some of our members and friends have ventured to come here. I used to call these types seekers, but I no longer believe that term is accurate. I have recently taken to calling them sojourners. They may have sought and found things time and again, found things that served them for a season or an era, and then entered into another season or era that required something else of them. Perhaps the best known of our late arrivals was Dr. Albert Schweitzer, the winner of the 1952 Nobel Peace Prize, who just a few years before his death in 1965 became a member of the Church of the Larger Fellowship, a correspondence congregation started for remote and isolated Unitarian Universalists worldwide. At that time, Dr. Schweitzer was practicing medicine in equatorial Africa. Previously, the Church of the Larger Fellowship had sent funds to support the operations of his hospital in the Congo. He was grateful for its financial support, certainly, but also voiced his sympathies for its core values, which he described as an affirmation of religious freedom and living faith in action. Indeed, Dr. Schweitzer's personal motto of reverence for life is one that many of us contemporary UUs find resonant today. The details of his storied autobiography were far better known in the 20th century than in the 21st, but are worth our revisiting now. He was born in Alsace, the historic region bordering France and Germany. His father was a Lutheran pastor, and he was raised in that church. An accomplished student, he quickly earned degrees in philosophy and theology and musicology. In his 20s, like his father before him, he was ordained to the Lutheran ministry. But his calling took him to academia, where Dr. Schweitzer did groundbreaking work. His 1906 book, The Quest for the Historical Jesus, remains in print and is required reading in seminaries where students continue that quest still. Dr. Schweitzer contended that Jesus of Nazareth was a person of considerable spiritual genius who was nonetheless a product of his time, place, religion, and culture. Whoever might be tempted to imitate Jesus might also find herself constrained by her own time, place, religion, and culture. 
all of which would require ingenious adaptations by this individual to her own epic. Given that his, the conclusions that his scholarship was leading him to draw, Dr. Schweitzer had serious questions about how advisable it was for him to continue teaching in the seminary and preaching in the churches. A gifted musician from his earliest years, Dr. Schweitzer soon turned his attention to sacred music. He developed a signature technique for organ playing and made extensive and close study of the work of Johann Sebastian Bach. He held organ recitals around Europe to great critical acclaim. While he could fill hallowed cathedrals with sublime sounds though, and inspire religious experience in others that did not satisfy his own need to lead a life congruent with his deepest beliefs. To borrow a favorite tagline of his, he believed in help and love. So in his 30s, Dr. Schweitzer decided to train as a medical missionary with a Catholic organization based in Paris. He refused to sit for the doctrinal examination to determine his fitness for the field, since as a Lutheran, he was almost guaranteed to fail it. But he did earn the necessary qualifications and complete medical school. He believed that offering humanitarian aid in the form of clinical services was an extension of his ministry, and indeed his earliest trips to Africa were funded with monies he raised as an organist on the church circuit. Throughout what appeared to be a series of career changes, Dr. Schweitzer maintained a clear understanding of the unbroken continuity of his call to faithfully serve in the world. He once summed up his philosophy in this single sentence, I am life which wills to live, and I exist in the midst of life which wills to live. Working in Africa in an uneasy period, uh, alternating between peacetime and two world wars, made Dr. Schweitzer aware of the need for a global ethic of care. Between the wars, he wrote in a 1923 work, reverence for life affords me my fundamental principle of morality, namely that good consists in maintaining assisting and enhancing life, and to destroy, to harm, or to hinder life is evil. Maintaining, assisting, and enhancing life was precisely how he could embody and enact reverence for it. Dr. Schweitzer wrote, I have found my way to the ideas in which life affirmation and ethics are contained side by side. Thus, to me, ethics is nothing more than reverence for life. He hoped that this elementary and universal conception of the ethical, as he called it, would help people see past their sectarian divisions and ideological and political disputes. The insight came to him when he was riding on a medical barge that was drifting through a herd of hippopotamuses in the river during the dry season in Africa. He understood human life to hold value alongside other creature life on the planet. And he recognized the countless ways that the planet itself 
was imperiled. By having reverence for life, we enter into a spiritual relation with the world, Dr. Schweitzer contended. By practicing reverence for life, we become good, deep, and alive. That seems to me an encompassing spiritual aspiration we can all harbor for our individual lives, to over time, through the decisions we reach, by the commitments we make and keep, by the virtues we incarnate increasingly to become good, deep, and alive. He once quipped, one should have the skin of a hippo and the soul of an angel. What strikes me in surveying Dr. Schweitzer's life is that the chapters he thought were concluded, in fact, had their codas. Although there were no pipe organs for him to play in the Congo, he did have a pedal piano, which he played on the hospital grounds nearly every day for the rest of his life. Although he thought his work as a theologian was done, he would write, think, and speak extensively about reverence for life for decades. One of my favorite people ever is a woman I have known for more than 30 years now. When I first met her, she was a teenager, rather disaffectedly, living in a college town with her professor father. After college, she went to Washington, D.C. and became an advocate for women's rights. Yet she decided to pivot away from politics into medicine. She went into a post-baccalaureate pre-medical program and then on to medical school. Shortly after she graduated, I officiated at her wedding. Shortly after that, as a newlywed and young physician, she went on her first tour to Africa with Doctors Without Borders. Other African tours would follow that first one, and between them she was invited to speak at public engagements to raise funds for the organization. Eventually she would sit on the international board of directors there. Usually when I would see her, she would be in town on business for Doctors Without Borders. She never minded giving talks to educate the public about it or garner it financial support. What irritated her to no end, though, were the effusive accolades she got from the public at those engagements. Intensely annoyed, she told me, I don't want to hear people prattle on about how heroic or sainted or brave I am because it makes me sound like I'm someone or something special and I'm not, she insisted. I'm not doing anything that any one of us could not do. And I want everyone to understand that, to understand what's possible for people, ordinary, everyday people, people like all of us, people like them. Whenever I wonder today who might be a high acolyte for reverence for life, she immediately comes to mind. This physician is someone whose lifespan has been an extended invitation to become good, deep, and alive. And I am conscious of how much of that lifespan reaches ahead of her yet, God willing, how much of that reaches well into the future. To the extent anyone can these days, she has the skin of a hippo and the soul of an angel. Dr. Schweitzer's work in the 20th century inspired numerous relief and outreach organizations worldwide. 
but honor and uphold his philosophical outlook. It's not too far a leap from his medical mission to Doctors Without Borders. None of our private worlds is big enough for us to live a wholesome life in. We need the wider world of joy and wonder, of purpose and venture, of toil and tears. Reverend A. Powell Davies maintained, what are we, any of us, but strangers and sojourners wandering until we draw together and find the meaning of our lives in one another, dissolving our fears in each other's courage, making music together, and lighting torches to guide us through the dark? When we follow those bright lights, we may be surprised where they lead us, the roles and the territories they call us to inhabit, and what they might prompt us to leave behind, temporarily or even permanently. Each month I meet with the facilitators of our touchstone groups here and review the monthly topic and parse the discussion guide. Discussion question this October surprised me. What do you revere? What do you revere? It's not a verb we employ very often these days, and the language can sound stilted or antiquated, but it's a meaningful variation on the question that gets posed in the introduction to an anthology of Dr. Schweitzer's writings called The Spiritual Life. In what manner ought we live this life, and with what purposes in mind? Remember that these purposes might change over the years. Over the course of his life, Dr. Schweitzer came to revise his understanding of missionary work and its problematic relation to the horrific racist legacy of colonialism. He spent more time expanding his interfaith awareness by studying sacred Indian texts translated from the Sanskrit both from the Jain and Hindu traditions. He eventually became a vegetarian. The Lutheran pastor, son of a Lutheran pastor, eventually became a member of a UU congregation just before his death. So it was not that he grew irreverent over time, but rather that his reverence shape-shifted into novel forms as he discovered what it meant for him to become good, deep, and alive in the unique years that he was allotted on Earth. That seems a project of discovery we could each undertake in our own lifetimes. The rightness that our development must aim at is one which makes us simpler, more truthful, purer, more peace-loving, meeker, kinder, more sympathetic, Dr. Schweitzer wrote. That is the only way in which we are to sober down with age. According to him, when we finally sober down, we replace our youthful idealism with something that is full-grown instead, full-grown and sturdy. Imagine yourself full-grown. Whatever your age is today, imagine your soul full-grown. Imagine it alongside 
other full-grown souls that your fellow sojourners are in possession of today. What do each of you individually revere? What do we revere collectively here at UU Wellesley Hills? What does any of us revere without reservation? The lives we lead answer the questions we routinely ask ourselves. Suppose this one now, what do you revere? Pose it once more. Pose it time and time again, all the days of your lives. <laughs>